Thank you, everyone. Thank you, Ramesh and Elsie and your leadership team for just such a warm welcome. It's such an honor to be here with you. And we are so blessed to be part of a global family of churches. And right at this moment, our church in Raleigh are celebrating their 11th anniversary year. So you were running right behind us there. And, um, you know, London, 10 years next week as well. And, you know, God is changing, switching a switch for us all. It feels like we're coming of age finally as church planters. You know, we know what it's like with all of you to plant and you know you work hard you toil you pray hard and you believe God for absolutely everything how many of you remember those moments right particularly Ramesh and Elsie and and so we know what it means but you know I'm just so blessed by all these words from the prophets this morning and we just love the apostolic and the prophetic running together because we need to build according to the blueprints of heaven and the word of the Lord for the season and the era we're in and um, you know I just loved what you were saying about the the gospels and you know, Mark 10, Matthew 10, Mark 10. And, um, you know, you're going into the 11th year. And for the last month, I've been um, looking at clocks and watches. And I keep saying, seeing it 11, 11. All the ones. Is anyone seeing 11, 11 like often? And, and the Holy Spirit is getting your um, attention. And I was asking a prophet friend of ours at home. And she says, oh, yeah, that's transition. And we are in this year of transition, 2019. And so you are actually transitioning into the 11th year. And, you know, I just want to echo what has already been said, but I just see that there's going to be some changes in the way that you think, the way that you do things, because we are truly into a new season where we're unto the harvest, unto the souls in this city coming into a, a loving relationship of who God is and his rule and authority. And so I just want to encourage you as a brother and sister in Christ, we are so proud of you. We are so blessed to co-labor with you. I feel like we support one another in our leadership. Um, I'm so proud of this church. Look, every nation is represented here. And God is turning a switch, and the Holy Spirit is going to speak to each of you in the night, in the day. You're going to just start hearing the voice of the Lord so clearly. And so we just want to bless you and thank you for running this race in the kingdom together. And um, we're just so excited to be here with you and celebrate what God is about to do. And he's truly doing a wonderful thing. And... Catch the Fire Scarborough is coming of age, and I'm so delighted. I'm really proud of you both. This is an amazing church. I feel the presence of God here. I don't just feel his presence, I feel his pleasure. He's, he loves this church. I remember when Kate and I first planted Catch the Fire Raleigh, for 
first Sunday morning, I said, I said, Lord, we're just about to start this new church. And it's really important to me that it really is part of the bride, that it truly is the church according to you, that you see it as that. Not us, not any of the other churches or even the city. In fact, it didn't even matter if all the other churches of the city didn't recognize it as the church, but that the Lord Jesus Christ himself would see what we were doing with our feeble little attempts to plant something that was beautiful to him, that belonged to him. And I was, and I just was so like, I don't know, tender with that. I said, Lord, we must have you. If your presence doesn't go with us, if you don't, if you don't fill this dwelling place, if you don't come and, you know, marry your bride, if you don't see us as your bride in all of this, then we don't want to do any of it. And I'm so glad that on that very first moment that we started, the worship took off and I felt its presence come. Because you can have 10,000 people without him. Or you can have two people with him. And one's the church and one's not the church. Even if they both think they're the church. And I'm really glad that I, f I mean, he's so here. And he so loves all y'all. To use a turn of phrase that I've learned in the last 11 years. And he just really loves you guys. And, you know, Ramesh and I and Elsie, we do go back about, well, Ramesh and I, 19 years. And Elsie, I heard about from Ramesh because we didn't always talk about money. We talked about far greater subjects than money. And one of the subjects that we talked about was this gorgeous blonde bombshell that I could tell he loved with all his heart way before he was quite sure. And he knew he loved her, but he just didn't, he just, I don't know what it was, but there was some kind of something that he just had to overcome. And I'm so glad to have had a little part in helping him overcome whatever that was. And uh, now, just amazing. And wow. Uh, Shika Banga, I thank you, God, for this church that you planted through them. Do you realize it didn't exist till you guys joined in and got involved? And, and it's only just begun, like Ramesh said. Your, your best years are way ahead of you. Um, some of you may have already gone to the realm of glory in the day when this church is several thousand people. I'd like to just take a moment as well to thank Ian and Janice Ross who are here this morning. Uh, could you two just stand up? I don't know if everybody knows you, but um, Ian, and, Ian and Janice uh, were the first people to introduce Kate and I uh, when we were farmers in the UK. I come from a family who uh, are landowners, farmers in the UK, and they came to our little town and uh, they introduced us to Daddy's love. 
and they're part of the reason why we're standing here. Also, Curtis Hines, the first person that I met from Toronto in 1996 uh, in, in, at our, in our little town um, in Oxfordshire. And uh, I was just starting out that season of farming. And uh, I heard about this guy coming from Toronto. And uh, I just, to our village hall. And I had to go. All the, you know, many of the churches, the place was packed. And uh, I was, I think, about the second row. Um, but Curtis preached the gospel. And he also uh, carried so much fire of the presence of the Holy Spirit. And uh, at the end of his message, he says, so if any of you would like the fire, if you'd like the Holy Spirit, just come out here to the front. And I was the first person to him. There are moments where self-consciousness can hold you back from entering into the realms of glory that God has for you. Whatever you do, do not be self-conscious. Be Jesus-conscious, not self-conscious and be others conscious. Uh, otherwise, you'll miss so much of what God's got for you. And one of those moments where you definitely, definitely, definitely don't want to be self-conscious is when somebody says, who would like the Holy Spirit? You don't sit there and go, oh, I, I don't know if that's me. I think it's my friends. I should give them room. And No, 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 none of, none of that nonsense. You know why? Because there's so much you can never, ever receive something in a way that would mean that others can't receive it when you're, when you're in the presence of God. But I want to share the message that God's given me. Um, I'm just amazed listening to all the prophetic words um, and you know, listening to Maureen and Gerard, otherwise known by me as Jerry, but I've, Jerry, Jerry, okay, Jerry, that's good, because they would have to get really used to calling you Gerard. But um, not that there's anything wrong with Gerard, I'm just not used to it. But Jerry, that was, a, that was an outstanding, outstanding synopsis of the king, of the kingdom, the gospel, his righteousness, and who we are, and why the church, etc. And uh, I shall touch on a little bit of what, because um, I, I leaned over to Kate, I'm like, Seriously, was he in the car with us this morning? What in the world? But I want you first to turn with me, please, to Luke 15, Shikabanga. Then drew near to Jesus all the publicans, the sinners, to hear him. Tax collectors, you name it. Everybody that considered themselves a sinner was so drawn to Jesus. Clearly, we're not presenting Jesus overly well as the church because the world's not flocking to join us. And the Pharisees and the scribes, but, but not this church. The world's going to be flocking to join you. And the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, this man receives sinners and eats with them. <laughs> I think they were just struggling with the spirit of stupid. And he spoke this parable to them all, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he loses one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the wilderness and go after that which is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. 
And when they come home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I found my sheep which was lost. I say to you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner that repents more than over 99 just persons which need no repentance. And I've always thought that, that the Lord was comparing heaven rejoicing uh, and, and, you know, over the one sinner that repents and not rejoicing over the nine just, uh, 99 just persons. But, and, and maybe that is what it means, but I saw something that I'd never seen before. I realized that what he was saying right here can also be interpreted that heaven rejoices over one sinner who repents far more than all the other 99 rejoice over the one sinner who repents. Because a self-righteous, just person who has practiced their own righteousness is conscious of themselves and how good they are. After all, it's taken a lot of hard work to get as good as me, you know. And when somebody comes along who's not at all as good as us, and they come in, drawn in by heaven, brought in by the good shepherd, brought in by somebody else who's not particularly overly inflated with themselves and their own righteousness, but somebody who loves the world, somebody who conveys a message of, you know what, I was broken, Jesus came and changed me, and he can change you too. And, and, when, and when a church is full of people that have practiced their religion, they will not rejoice over a sinner when they get saved. But when a church is filled with the heart of, of being a broken healer, of somebody who knows and understands, I was a sinner, but I've been saved by this grace. I've been washed in his blood. I've I found daddy's love. I've never been loved like this before. I've never been whole before like I am now. I'm not righteous because of my prayers and my Bible reading and my gifts and my going to church, my attendance. I'm righteousness because God's given me that as a gift. And that is a gift you can have. In fact, I'm so excited about having this gift, I just can't wait to give you that gift. Would you like to come to Alpha? Are you following me, everybody? You see? It's a different, it's a different mentality. I love it that Jesus, the imagery that Jesus has of the Father, Danny Silk was teaching us to look through the eyes of the Father, not the eyes of the snake. In the eyes of the snake, the Father has a big stick and he's going to beat you up because you're a sinner. In the eyes of Jesus, the eyes of the Father, the Father is a good shepherd who will put his last little sheep on his shoulder. When I was a kid, I used to love my dad giving me a shoulder ride, you know. He was already losing his hair in his mid-twenties. And I put my hand on his big old bald head in Nigeria. 
And on, and on the way back, age three, I'd be there, yeah, my daddy. I'm on my daddy's shoulders. Ooh, I'm way above the baboons, the lions, the snakes, the scorpions. I'm safe. I'm with my daddy. Yeah. And that's where he's placed each one of us. Yes. Come on. And you know what else I realized? I realized that when we... When we have this heart, when we remember that we've been rescued in this way, when we remember that we were that lost sheep and we were found by the good shepherd and he brought us in with his, on his shoulders rejoicing, we will be joyfully happy to leave all the others in the church to hang out with people that are lost just like we were. And we'll regain that reputation of being friends of sinners. Thank you, Norman. Is that your reputation right now? Are you known at work as friend of sinners? Or are you known at work as the one who frowns every time someone uses the F word and, and, and never attends the work parties because, you know, you're, you're, it's just not, I feel so uncomfortable. I, I don't want to get defiled, you know. In the old covenant, when the clean touched the unclean, the clean was made unclean, but in the new covenant, when the clean touches the unclean, the unclean are made clean. I've never heard light groaning in the presence of darkness. I've never heard light grumbling in the presence of darkness that the darkness is overcoming the light. And we are the light of the world. Let your light so shine before men that they see your joyful, excellent, miraculous works that you do so easily because you're filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what Jesus is meaning there. Matthew 5, I think, verse 13. And what woman? Everybody say woman. Having ten pieces of silver, if she loses just one coin, does not light a candle and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she's found it, she calls all of her friends and her neighbors together, saying, Rejoice with me, for I found the peace which I had lost. Oh, I long for the day when every catch-the-fire church across the world throws giant parties because people get saved. Yes, thank you, Jerry. Welcome to the family parties. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner that repents. You know, we've got that wrong all these years. As Christians, we've often considered that the Rejoicing is the angels, but it doesn't say that. It says there's rejoicing, great rejoicing in the presence of the angels. Who's the one rejoicing? It's God. And all the angels are like. That's a lot of rejoicing over dirt.
Because the angel's longing to understand mercy, grace, and love, but they just can't because they were created as beings of light and flaming ser servants, according to Psalm 104. But we were made of dust, and God delights in us in our condition of dust. And he came and actually made himself in the likeness of dust. And as dust, he saved us on the cross. I love what Stephen Furtick preaches when he preached on his message, his incredible message on uh, Exodus chapter 3, God appeared to Moses, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Nope, I'm the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Deceiver, supplanter, messed up, screwed up. He could have said, this is long after Israel. He could have said, I'm the God of Israel. But he chose to say to Moses, I identify with you in all your mess. Number one, why? I want to ask you two questions before we finish. And I've been given until 12.30, so I've got three minutes. Number one, I'm not letting you into, you know, secrets here. I'm letting you know that that's a good time to finish, and I agree with it. Number one, why a coin? And number two, why a woman? See, in the first one, it's a good shepherd. He's a shepherd and he's a man. And I understand that because Jesus came as the good shepherd. In number three story that we don't have time to read, he, he, Jesus speaks of, of God as the good father. But in the, and, and I understand that because he's a good father. But in this one, I've never understood him as the good coin collector. And also, why a woman? And I believe it's this. Number one, a coin. Here it is, everybody. See, it's an inanimate object. It has no brain. It has no feelings. It has no thoughts. It has no face except the imprint of the king upon it. Or in this case, the queen. And you can either choose to be, carry the image of the king or the image of the loony on the other side and be a loony. But anyway, that's just a little joke. Can only do that in Canada. And so here we are, everybody. A coin. Why a coin? Because God wants us to understand that compared to him, he considers that a human being, compared to him who holds the whole universe in the span of his hand, is as incapable of saving themselves as a coin is to help this lady find it. And when we understand that our bosses at work and our colleagues at work and our family members, our grandparents or our parents or our children who are lost, when we understand that God sees himself responsible for them to be found, now all of a sudden we can go treasure hunting with passion with him. Because he's asking himself to rescue them. And of course, he's done it by Jesus Christ, and he's done it by his spirit. And so he's not looking for your sinful friends to save themselves. He's the one who's going treasure hunting for them. Oh, there you are. Wow, 
I love you so much. I know it's like looking in the mirror. I see myself, my face right there on you. I love you so much. I'm so sorry I lost you. I will never, ever, ever let that happen to you again. You're mine. He puts that coin in his breast pocket. Number two, why a woman? I believe he said a woman because I believe this woman is a type of the church. I believe it's the only glimpse that Jesus gives us in Luke 15 of our part in this story. You see, a woman speaks to me of the bride. This bride who has the heart of the king whose face is imprinted on the treasure. Who, unlike the treasure, now that she's saved, she's no longer an inanimate object, but now she is a fully compassmentous woman who knows her value. You see, the coin doesn't know its value. This coin doesn't know its value is a dollar. And every person who doesn't know that Jesus, they don't know their value as a beautiful child of God. But our job as the woman is to help Jesus find them and to help them discover their worth and bring them to life into awesome womanhood like us. Thirdly, and to finish, she lit her lamp and she picked up her brush, her broom. And the Lord spoke to me a few nights ago and he said to me, Duncan, actually it was about three weeks ago, he said, Duncan, I want you to see something. The lamp burns effortlessly once it's lit. As long as there's oil and as long as there's fire, the lamp burns. No effort required by the woman except to carry it, to let it shine. And number two, she picks up her brush with the other hand. And that requires a lot of work. Are you willing, Catch the Fire Scarborough, to join all the other churches in Catch the Fire across the world to carry that lamp that's effortless, that's Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Father in you, among you, upon you, and be the fiery ones. But do not just light your lamp. Pick up your broom and work it. Work it. Work it. I was going to talk a little bit about something else, but I feel like that's it. Let's just stand, everybody. Maybe I can just touch on it right now. Jesus said in Matthew 18, 19, and 20, he gave us two he gave us two things that help us identify what our broom is. Because if you don't know what your broom is, you won't know how to use it. And Jerry touched on it this morning. Your broom is your prayers. It's your place of intimate union with Jesus. It's the place where you welcome the Holy Spirit in you to draw you before the throne of grace, to come before the Father. And in the name of Jesus... 
to discern what is on heaven's heart and to come into a place of agreement with what is on heaven's heart concerning your family members that are using the F word left, right, and center, that have divorced for the third time, that are screwed up and have all kinds of alcohol issues or drug issues or popping pills or whatever it might be. And it's for you to stand there in intercession with Jesus and say, no more now. Lord, I see your imprint upon them. Lord, I see that, you're their tr that they're your treasure. Lord, I see their full worth. And I ask you in the name of Jesus, in the power of agreement right now, that you would release them, set the captives free, and bring them into the full knowledge of Christ. And... In Matthew 18, 19, Jesus gave us the nuclear bomb of prayer where two of you agree on earth concerning anything that you ask, it will be done for you by my Father in heaven. Verse 20, for where two or three are gathered, I'm in my name, I'm there in their midst. And he's not talking about a cozy, I'm there with you guys. No, he's saying, I'm there. The king's in your midst. Do nothing from that moment through the lens of any lens except my kingship, my lordship, my godhood, my power, my provision, my health, my strategy, my blueprints, my will, my capacity to do in you. And come into agreement with one another and with me because you are the church, the ecclesia, and the ecclesia he used a but he used a secular term that they understood. It is the legislator of Rome, sent behind the army to establish the culture and the rule and the ways of Rome. In the same way Jesus is saying, you, with apostleship as priority, the apostle leads the ecclesia, not with the priority of heaven. Why? Because the church, the ecclesia, is heaven's emissary on earth. It is heaven's legislation on earth. It's where you, not in the natural realm, but where you in the spirit realm transform your city, transform your church, transform your family, transform your workplace in the spirit. All you have to do is find somebody else to agree with you and begin in prayer before the throne of grace to establish the rule and reign of what God wants around you, not what the devil and the demons want around you. Amen. Come on, everybody. This is sonship. This is rulership. This is where we're going. We're going out into the world as the true emissaries of our God, in agreement with His will, establishing His will in the spirit and not over flesh and blood. Wow, wow, wow. Is that good? Lord, it's our desire, our intention to partner with you to bring your kingdom where you've planted us. Lord, we thank you for the power of your spirit in our midst. We thank you for, uh, I'm just reminded of uh, Duncan saying at the very beginning, uh, just the presence you felt here. So many people have come and mentioned that they feel such a strange 
sense of love that they've never felt elsewhere. And we know that's not us by ourselves. That's the power of the Spirit in us. And so, Father, we thank you for the movement of your Spirit in, in and through us. And, Lord, we ask you would help us see, help us see ourselves through your eyes. So we'll have the confidence, the boldness, the authority, the conviction that we can actually go out of here beyond these four walls and make a difference, make an impact for your kingdom wherever you take us. So I ask that your grace and your anointing would rest upon us, Lord. Fill each and every one of us as we leave this place, even as we go downstairs to eat, Lord. I pray that your sense of, of, of strength, your sense, uh, your sense of, of rulership in us, your authority in us will be so rich. We'll be so aware of this that even as we go beyond this place, we'll be going in your name and in your power. So we bless you, Jesus. We bless you for all you want to do in us. Lord, we're contending for where you've planted us. You've planted us in this, in this place called Scarborough. And Lord, the prophetic word has been that you want to remove the scars from Scarborough. And so would you use us to do that, God? Would you bring healing through us to those who need your healing? We give this to you, Jesus. In your mighty name we say, Amen. Bless you, everybody. Thank you, thank you. Now I think you know that we're going to continue celebrating. We're not done yet. We're going to continue celebrating. And we'll, we'll go downstairs and eat.